If you will take your Bibles, if you will turn with me to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter number 20, it's where we are uh, in for the third week of our series on the Ten, as we are talking about the Ten Commandments. This being that third week of that series, my goal is that we are going to cover four commands tonight. We will cover four more next Wednesday night and conclude this series on the 10. And so uh, uh, we've already covered two as we begin this series. And then uh, we'll just see. You never know how far we'll make it. But that is the plan. So Exodus chapter 20. Once you find Exodus chapter 20, if you want to turn over to Matthew chapter 22... And uh, beginning at verse number 35, we will be going there in just a few minutes. But let's start off in Exodus chapter 20. And I'm just going to I'm going to skip my way through this a little bit rather than reading every verse. We're just going to cover and hit these 10 commands that we find in the book of Exodus, the 20th chapter, starting at verse number one it says, and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then he begins the commands. You shall have no other gods before me. Verse number four then. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Graven image in some of your translations. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. And then he says in verse 5, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Verse number 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. I want you to, I'm going to read that again, and I want you to hear that, and I want you to recognize that he is writing these, he's speaking these, and, and we have these commandments written to the children of Israel, but also to all who are going to follow God and will call God their God, Christ their Lord. You shall not take the name, now notice what he says, of the Lord your God in vain. I, I just brought that out and I want to hit that real quickly for you just to kind of clarify something. He is not talking here to non-believers. He's not talking here to those that don't follow him. He says, you are not to take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. So he's talking to those whose, whose God is our Lord. And, and it says, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Verse number eight, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Skip down to verse number 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Verse 13, you shall not murder. Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Verse 15, you shall not steal. Verse 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. These sum up 
the Ten Commandments that we have recorded in God's Word that we have been given, these commands are eternal moral laws of God. These are laws that are intended to be followed uh, for all time. They did not pass away. They were not fulfilled. They were not uh, ended. These are eternal, the moral laws of God. Then if you want to go with me to Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 35. Matthew 22 and verse 35. It says, then talking, uh, a, a lawyer now is going to begin to talk to Jesus. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him. Saying to him, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we have been talking about for the first two weeks, and this being the third week, we have been talking about the ten that can be summed up by the two. That if we will walk in the two, not only will we fulfill all of the ten, but we will fulfill all of the law and the prophets. That's what Jesus just taught them. So the ten are vitally important. The two that Jesus said, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. These two, on these, hang all of the rest. Because if we will learn to love God if we will, with everything we have, if we will learn to love our neighbor as ourselves, then we will fulfill the remainder of the law. And so that's that is the the setup that we have been walking in and we have been talking about and then we proceeded to just begin to to break down these 10 commandments and talk about them in our day and grab an understanding of what this says to us. They're pretty plain, they're pretty straightforward. Uh, but we've just taken a little bit of time to break these down. Because a lot of people will, will see these and view these as well. These are just suggestions from God. These are not suggestions from God. They are commandments from God. Well, I don't think I like all of these. He didn't ask our opinion on whether we liked all of these or not. Well, I, I, I think that, that we should be lenient in some and then hold firm to others. Well, that's not our call to make. These are the commands of God. And what we are called to do is love God and love others as we love ourselves enough to walk in these commands. And the only way we can fulfill God's commands for our life is through Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says, John three sixteen says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Christ is the sum of God's love. So if we are going to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and our neighbors as ourselves, we are going to have to love and accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. Once we have accepted Him as our Savior, He gives us the ability to love God, love others, and love ourselves, and then to fulfill all 
of the law and the prophets. It's only through Him. We can't keep these. Now, the Old Testament is filled with many different types of law. It is filled with governmental laws that Israel would be governed by and laws that that good governments from that time forward would implement. Our country we live in today have implemented many of these Judeo Christian laws into the founding of this country. So we find governmental laws. We find ceremonial laws. We, we find these, these laws of sacrificial laws and all that that points to Christ. And we no longer are called to carry out the ceremonial laws because we have Christ. He is the fulfillment. He came to fulfill all of these laws. So Jesus is the one who gives us freedom, gives us the law of freedom and life in the Spirit of God. And so we live under these. And then you have these eternal moral laws, which are character laws, which are the nature of God laws that He has called us to. That's what we are looking at uh, tonight. And we've been through the first two. So I'm not going to go back through that where you can catch up on all the different ways you can catch up through audio and video. Uh, But we talked about having no other gods before Him. And we talked about having no graven images for worship. So tonight, we're going to begin at the third commandment that we come to. And and it is found in verse number 7 there in Exodus chapter 20. And it tells us, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, I'm going to give you these four commandments we're going to look at, and then I'm going to give you a subheading that we're going to talk a little bit about that. So this first one is, you shall not shall not take the Lord's name in vain. And the subheading that we're going to work off of tonight is this, words matter. Your words matter. Your recognition of God matters. Now, we're going to hit the actual command, but then also we're going to talk about not only does that one command matter, but all of our words matter. Amen. The speech with which we operate in, the words with which we say, are vitally important. In fact, they are so important that the Bible says there are no idle words with God. That, that should be a very sobering thought for all of us. That, that, that God hears. He is the silent listener of every conversation. Even, even the words that nobody else hears, God hears. Amen. And those words, we must give account for the words that come out of our mouth. They, they, they are, are going to be productive in something. Do you realize every word that comes out of your mouth produces something? Amen. Every word. Negative words produce negative response and results. Amen. Positive words will produce more positive results. Words matter. The things we say, the conversations we are a part of, the dialogue that that we take with one another, the way we talk to one another, the way we talk to God, the, 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 the way we talk to ourselves matter. 
this is important that you understand this. And like I said, we're going to get into the do not take the Lord's name in vain. It's pretty obvious. We, we, most of us have heard people that take the Lord's name in vain. And we associate that with, the, with attaching God to a cuss word. Okay, which, which very much fits in that category. But there are many more ways to take the Lord's name in vain than just attaching God to a cuss word. Amen. So while we are highly offended when somebody takes our Lord's name in vain in that way, I wonder how often we stop to evaluate the times that we have taken the Lord's name in vain. Amen. Now, how many of you were raised... In a home that that was pretty strict, that there were certain words that weren't actually cuss words, but there were words that you weren't able to say, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, they there there were there were other words, you know, added to the the list of four letter words that you were not able to say because you were just trying to say something and get away with it, right? <laughs> right? You were you you were you were kind of Christian cussing, you know, when you took some of those words. And I don't I don't know about all of you, but my my mom didn't didn't like that very much in my home. And so there were certain words that we were not able uh, to say. And and while sometimes we might have gotten carried away with some things that 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 we would try to get so strong on what we could say it couldn't say but but the reality is i think we need an understanding of how important our words are again in the culture we're living in today because i got to tell you there has been a shift over the last i don't know couple decades maybe or so, maybe even quicker than that, maybe in the last decade or so, there has been a shift that it's all of a sudden like words that come out of people's mouths just do not matter any longer. I'm talking about just polite society. Amen. How many know there is such a thing as just polite society? There are things that you should not say in front of mixed company because words matter. Right? Amen. Well, that, that, hey, I, for, for every now and then on, on my day off when Emily was in volleyball and she was traveling around and we were having to try to find ways to pay for volleyball, uh, I would take, and on my day off, uh, would try to take Mondays as a day off, and I would take that and I would substitute in the schools. Now, if you want to step into a whole new world, if you're brave enough, you go substitute in one of your high schools. It, it, it's a whole new world the way you grew up. I can promise you that. Because I guarantee you, as I stood in the hallway, I heard things that, that when I was growing up in school, if now it's a whole different world, don't get me wrong, but if, I, if we would have said some of the things that I heard people saying in front of teachers and two teachers and to everybody else, we would have been yanked up, taken out. And, and do y'all remember those old wooden things with handles on them that they used to have way back in the ancient days that they made you bend over and grab your ankles and then they would pop you pretty good? That's what would have been happening to us, but it, they don't do that now. I'm not here to debate that. 
I, well, I'll just let you form your own opinions on that. But I do know this. It was a deterrent for some of the ways that we talked in public settings. And we need some deterrence of some form, shape, or manner in the world we live in today. Words matter. That's what I'm trying to say. The, the way we talk and converse is important because let me give you some scriptures for this. And then we're, we're going to hit this. But if you want to turn, go over to Luke chapter 6. And verse 45, you can just write these down if you don't want to turn there. Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, under this heading of words matter, don't take the Lord's name in vain. We'll get back to that. But, but Luke 6 verse 45, a good man, how many of you want to be good people? A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, Brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that tells me what's coming out of our mouth is originating in our heart. Amen. That ought to convict us. Right? I mean, it, it really should. We, it should make us evaluate. We want to be good people. We want to live well. We want to live right. We want to be good citizens in the world that we live in. But it says a good person out of the good treasure, out of the, out of the goodness of their life, out of, the, out of the good treasure of his heart will bring forth good things. And so out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So words matter. Do you know words have consequences? Do you know you can say words and people will say well I'm just going to say what's on my mind but do you know you can say things that you can't take back that once they're out there they are out there you you don't get them back they do they words are creative you don't you don't take them back you you might can be forgiven for those words but they are always there amen and when you speak those type of words into relationships, they are always there. They can be forgiven. They can be pushed down. They can be not held against you. But they are always still there. That's why words matter. That, that's, I believe, part of the reason why that command of not taking the Lord's name in vain is so important and why it's included there. It's not just a... It's the fact that the things we say matter. And God is taking notice. James, my, my wife's favorite book of the Bible is the book of James. James chapter 3 and verse number 11. says, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? You don't, you don't get bitter water and fresh water from the same spring. Amen. That's, that's saying something to us. If we will hear it in James chapter 3 earlier on, it says, verse number 1 of James 3, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we should receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. If you, can, if you cannot stumble... In words, over your words, the Bible says you're a perfect man. But guess what? 
that we don't have perfect people. And that means we all stumble over words at times. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look at the ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder whenever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Amen. That's that's some strong things about our tongue from whence flows our words that come out of our heart. Amen. Now, We should have some filters there. Do you know, you do not have to say everything that comes into your mind. You don't have to. We live in a social media world. You do not have to respond to every post you see. Well, that's my right. It might be your right, but sometimes you make yourself look like a fool. Amen. Right? I didn't call you a fool. I said sometimes you make yourself look like that. Right? Who, who was it that said, I would rather be a, a thought of, be silent and thought of as a fool than open my mouth and prove them to be right? <laughs> right? <laughs> some, sometimes we need, to, we need to apply that in, in our lives. That We need to put some filters there. There should be a filter in our heart. Right? Jesus Christ should be the renewing factor of our heart that, that then out of our heart flows that abundance that there, there's this filter that our words then become seasoned with grace. And so I, I'm, I'm just trying to get this across to you. Do you know uh, in early on in history, one of the greatest egregious sins of mankind was that, that they got together and they all came together and in their wickedness they all decided they didn't need God. They were going to build this tower up into heaven. They were going to become like God. Right? And you know what the Bible tells us happened? God said, let's go and confound their languages so they cannot communicate effectively. Right? And, and, and from then on, there's been difficulty in communicating. Not just in different languages. Do you know you can have a lot of hardships in communicating even if you're speaking the same language? Your words matter. And he says, do not take the name of the Lord, the Lord's name in vain. Don't be flippant towards God. Do you know God is a holy God? Don't, don't be nonchalant towards God there should be reverence towards God and that should begin with our words the things we say the approach we take towards God the holy nature of God demands a certain communication from us amen we 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 are so quick to to and 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 Jesus teaches about vain repetition in prayer Right? Just, just, just saying the same thing over and over and over and calling that prayer. That's not, that's not prayer. Prayer is an engagement of faith and, and communion with God. 
And so therefore, therefore the, the vain repetition gets in our way. And it's no longer communicating. It's just simply trying to force something in. We, we need to understand our words matter. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 4. In fact, let's turn over there. Because I don't, I don't want to give you scriptures without me at least re- reading them. Unless if you want to turn, you can. But you might want to mark it down. Ephesians 5 and 4 says, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Talking about our communication. Filthiness. I don't think we have to define what that is. I think you should know what that is. Foolish talking, coarse jesting. They are not fitting, but rather we need to be giving thanks. Because remember, our words are finding origin in our heart and proceeding forward. And we are not to take the name of our Lord in vain. Amen. Yeah, go ahead. Right. 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 What definitely is. Because you are doubting God. For who he is. And you're bringing reproach upon God. Not, not with actions, but just in our, our words speak from our heart. And so definitely, we, we, we need to be very careful about the, the words and the speech and the communication we have. And the way we, we talk to others about God. He is a good God. You're not going to understand everything about God. But here's what we do know. He is good. And he loves and he is faithful. And he is the provider. He is the healer. He is our peace. He is our banner. Right? He, he is all of these things. So therefore, we need to speak of him in terms of faith, believing and agreeing with who he is. It's far deeper than just, like I said, a cuss word issue. That's, that's important, very important, but, but it's far deeper than that. It, it is the whole way we are communicating. Words matter. Okay, number the second one that we're going to look at tonight, found in verse number 8. It says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And then look what he says. He says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, raging debates there really is no debate uh, in the church. We, we have church on Sunday. Sunday is not the Sabbath day spoken of in the Bible. The Sabbath day was what we know as Saturday. That was, the, that was how it was um, set up in the Jewish uh, uh, um, calendar, way of living. That Sabbath would have been Saturday. That the reason we celebrate on Sundays is and have church on Sunday is because 
of the resurrection day was on the first day of the week. So therefore, we come together on the first day of the week and we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. So you got some say, well, we should have church on Saturday. And some that say, no, we should have church on Sunday. And others that say, well, we shouldn't leave our homes on Saturday. But see, you're you're missing out on, on what the purpose of this was. We are not under the law in order to try to keep the law in our righteousness. Christ has come and He has fulfilled. And we're going to read some scriptures that tell us He is the Sabbath rest. So here's the key that we need to understand about this. And should there be times of rest physically? Absolutely. Do you know it is not good for us to work ourselves to the bone and leave no time to worship God for another dollar? Amen. Now we're real big on family time. And that's great, but where's God's time? Are y'all, are y'all still out there? Because that, that, that Sabbath day was not just so we could have better family time. It was to worship God and thank Him for all that He has done for us. And so we don't, we don't exclude our God time because we need some more family time. We need to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. We need to remember that rest, that time of living, and, and, and make it holy in our life. Here's the, here's the concept we're going to talk about for just a moment. Rest is necessary. Rest is necessary. So words matter. Take the Lord's name in vain. And rest is necessary. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Take your Bibles, turn over to Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4 is where we're going to look here. Uh, turn over there. You can turn the same time I can. So turn over there, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 9. Hebrews 4 and 9. Therefore, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Hmm. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. I want you to hear that because here is the rest by which we are called to live in. We have rested, ceased from our labors, In Jesus Christ. This is where I want to, I want to, that we had a promised rest that, that Hebrews 4 begins talking about. He talks about Israel trying to get into this rest and then he talks about us keeping this rest and he is talking to us about Christ. Now, here's what I want to say. There should be, and the Sabbath day is a holy day. It is a day that we should reflect upon God. But here's the thing. Every day is holy before the Lord. 
Every day should be a day that we reflect on the goodness of God. Because every day we've got Jesus with us. The rest is with us. And we are to reflect upon the Lord. The concept of the one day of rest is a vital concept in our, in our lives, our physical bodies. Because if we don't take time to rest and rejuvenate, we wear these bodies out quicker than we should. But the even greater principle is this. In Christ, we must learn to rest in Him and not rely upon our labor. We rest in Him by faith. He finished the work. He completed salvation. He alone could, could offer the sacrifice that God accepted. And we who put faith in Jesus rest in Him. There is nothing you can do, no work you can accomplish, no labor you can do to make you right before God. The only thing you can do is accept Jesus and His sacrifice, His shed blood, the cross He died upon, and accept Him as your Savior. That is the only thing you can do, and you must rest in Him. Now, the works that we then take part in are the working out of our salvation. They are the, they, they are the just walking it out, living it out, and, and it has to deal with disciplining your flesh. Because your flesh is going to fight against God. So you have to bring that flesh into submission unto Christ. And you have to make yourself rest at His feet. And say, because of Jesus, I am set free. We rest in Him. He is the Sabbath's rest. It's not a, no longer is it for us one day a week. It is every day, all the time that we rest from our labor of trying to, to, to make ourselves right before God. We rest in faith in the grace He has given us through Jesus Christ. And we need to remember this. Rest is necessary. Hebrews 3 and 4. You can go read those two chapters. Hebrews 3 and 4. And you will find what this rest is really all about. Here's another concept for you. Hebrews 10.25 goes ahead and it tells us, Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, is, some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, we should, we should gather together on that day that we celebrate the Lord. For us, it's on that Sunday. And then Wednesday nights we are here, but we are gathering together. And here's what the, the Bible would teach us. One day out of seven is the minimum time that Christians are to gather together. And so much the more as you see that day approaching. He didn't say and so much less. So much more because you are to exhort one another. Encourage one another. We remind each other we rest in Christ when we gather together. Amen. So we rest in Christ. 
Amen. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. See, Israel, even in Jesus' day, Pharisees and they, boy, they, they would keep to the letter of this law. I mean, so much so that if they saw someone doing something that they disagreed with and thought they could consider it work, they were ready to, to cast them out, uh, stone them, do whatever that they had to do because they were working, uh, working on the Sabbath day. And Jesus was right there among them. And instead of resting in Him as their Savior, they were relying upon their works. Amen. See, if we're not careful... We will rely upon our working rather than resting in Christ who is our Sabbath. God has finished His work. Christ has finished His work. Amen. Well, let's, let's press on. Let's do another one. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. That your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. Here's the, here's the statement. Honor is valued. God values honor. So words matter. Rest is necessary. Honor is value. Honor your father and mother. We see here a family priority. Notice, honor your father and mother. Here's, here's something that hit me in that. We are to honor roles, genders, leadership, and structure. You know, that's what father and mother represents. They, they, they have distinct roles. I know we don't like to hear that. And I know some of you have raised kids and you've had to be both roles. But God didn't intend it that way. There are roles of a father, roles of a mother. Doesn't mean they don't overlap. Doesn't mean that they don't each take part. But there are roles. We are to honor the roles of fathers and mothers. We live in a culture right now that, that uh, over the last while has belittled fathers. You can see it in our, in our, you watch TV for very long. And almost every comedy show you see on TV belittles fathers. They make them out to be buffoons. They make them out to be the, these people that are out of touch and, and, and just don't care and are selfish. And all that. But, but that's, not, that's not God's view of a father. Amen. We're to honor the role. Now, now I'm, not, I'm not saying, I, I'm not here to talk about how your father was or your mother was. I'm saying this is what God said. Honor. How many, do you know you can honor without, while understanding the limitations and the weakness of the one you're honoring? Honor is not about their perfection. Oftentimes, honor is about the position God has ordained. Amen. And there's, there's family. So we are to honor roles. We are to honor genders. God says there's fathers and mothers. Men and women. That's a, that's a part of this. We need to quit 
confusing and allowing some other definition besides God's. Honor leadership. Because fathers and mothers are intended from the very beginning to be leaders. They're to lead you to God. Now many, many, many have failed in that. And we've got terrible instances. And you can see terrible stories all the time of fathers and mothers. You see them on the news almost on a nightly basis. Of children that have been abused and treated horribly by what were supposed to be godly leaders in their lives. But it still does not take away from God saying, honor fathers and mothers. They are to be godly leaders. They're not always. Therefore, we rely upon God above any person. But we honor the roles, the genders, the leadership. We honor God's structure. And we should literally honor our fathers and mothers. Amen. As children, we are taught to obey fathers and mothers. Now, I, it, it's almost, we, we've fallen into the trap, and that, this is the trap of the enemy. Whenever you talk about obeying fathers and mothers in our culture today, immediately, People want to argue about those that are so negative that how could we obey them if they're teaching all these terrible things? Not that's the, that's the trap of the enemy. We are talking in God's kingdom, God's plan. We obey fathers and mothers because they are leading us to God. They are pointing us to God. And if we do that, we live with God's promise. I mean, you know, we're, we're living in a world right now that they are wanting to give the ability to our kids to make decisions without the approval of fathers and mothers that a child should never be given the opportunity to make. My goodness, when I was a kid and when my kids were little and my grandkids, if I gave them the opportunity to choose what they ate every day, If my wife gave me the opportunity to choose what I eat every day, it probably still wouldn't be very good. It would change a little. It would now, in my life, it would involve meat at least. And, and you know, maybe some sort of vegetable like French fries or chips or, you know, those type of vegetables. Corn chips. You know, I can get corn, potatoes. I can do all of it. Amen. But my kids... And I'm sure your kids, and I'm sure us when we were kids, you give a little five, six-year-old kid the ability to choose what they're going to eat. What are they going to choose? Candy, most of the time. Somebody say coffee. Oh, cotton candy. Okay, I was going to say, my goodness, what kind of kid is that? They're choosing coffee at that age. <laughs> Oreos, ice cream. Then that's good. Because they don't have the capacity to make those, they need to be trained. Sometimes it's not mom and dad, because mom and dad have forfeited the right to be a leader, but it is a mom and dad figure that loves them and is caring for them. Sometimes it may be foster care. Sometimes it may be family care. Whatever the case might be, there should be leaders, there should be roles of a father and mother in a child's life that's leading them to better decisions. Honor that. We live in a culture that doesn't want to honor that. 
They want government to determine what their kids. Government is not my mom or my dad. They want to be, but they're not. We need to step in. We need to honor structure. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, if you want to write this down, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 2. This is just practical teaching. I, you know, hey, you, you do with it what you will, but this is just practical stuff. Ephesians 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Did you ever hear that growing up? I heard that. When I was disobedient, that scripture get quoted to me. You know, the Bible says you're not going to live long if you keep going down this road. And then, you know, and now that meant a whole lot of things to my parents, right? That they might help God out a little bit, you know, every now and then it felt like. Said it may, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. But then he goes on and says, but you fathers do not provoke your children to anger and to wrath. It's not what this is about, but it is about being under obedient, uh, listening, honor, paying attention to those that are looking out for your welfare and respecting them. Let me know if we would just teach some good old respect again. Amen. Now, I'm getting older, and the older I get, I guess, you know, I, I start to realize, you know, I used to think those old, old people were so out of touch. But I'm now becoming some of those older people. And I think I feel a little bit what they must have been feeling because I, I find myself saying, we need some of them old values again. And that's when you know you're getting older, when you, you know, you start saying those kind of things. But that's all right. I, I find it to be more and more true all the time. Honor. Maybe we could say, learn to respect people that are due respect in your life. Amen. Let's move forward. We'll finish up with this. Exodus 20, verse 13. You shall not Murder. Right? So, words matter. Rest is necessary. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Rest is necessary. Honor is valued. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. Here's the statement. Life is precious to God. Life is precious to God. That's life from conception to the end. That's life, whether you agree with the way a person is living or not, has no bearing. Their life is precious to God. Amen. We, we should fight for the unborn. We should fight for the aged at the end of life. And we should fight for all life in between. Why? Because life is precious to God. 
Amen. Psalm 139, you can go read it. Whole chapter, but you can go read it as it talks about God formed us in the mother's womb. God knew our days before they were ever mentioned in the hearing of people. God has knit us together. We are wonderfully made. And anything that takes and shatters this life that is given by God is sinful. I'm not talking about war. Wars are, are righteous wars and things that we go to battle and have to fight and those things. The Bible covers that as well. But I'm talking about the taking of life. Now, let, me, let me go with you. We, we had big debates. It's been a few years back now and, and the debate is still around. But do, do you remember when the big debate was on assisted suicide? You know, remember that? We had the doctor that... Kevorkian that was assisting, but that's playing God. We're not, we're not, that's not in our purview. People live hardships and difficulties. We understand that, but life is precious to God. Here, listen to this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, this is Jesus Whoever is angry with his brother, without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. The words are, they are getting progressively more aggressive towards another person for no cause. That's what the word has said to us. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember there your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar, go your way, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. He's talking here about the fact that murder begins in your heart. Shattering this life. Hatred in your heart is the precursor of taking life. We need to understand God calls us to value life. Amen. Are there people that deserve the judgments that they get? Absolutely. But you know what? I have deserved a lot of judgment that God didn't give me. Amen. So therefore, we are to be people of grace. We are to be people who uphold law, who stand for societal right. And there, there are, we have justice for uh, uh, penalty, uh, for taking life, and all of those things. This is without cause. The taking of precious life, playing God with another person's life, or, hear me, with your own life. And only God knows. Only God is able to determine. But let me, let me just be clear. Because we are living in a culture today that even in, in church cultures... Because of difficulty and especially because of mental uh, struggles and illness and those things. And I understand that only God knows and we are to be people of grace at all times. But taking of your own life 
is still taking life that God has called precious. Amen. And I've walked with families that have been ravaged by this. The uh, suicide and taking. And I've been with those that have had mental distress. And I've been with those that have had all sorts of issues. And they, we, this is not a, a time of judgment. A time of being angry. You walk with and only God knows. And only God knows our But what we do know is taking of your own life or any other life is considered by God murder. And we must teach the truth and speak God's word. We show grace. We stand with because we are not God. and We don't have everything. We don't understand everything. We don't have all the information God does. But we are to value life. Let me just say to anyone that might be listening or anyone that might be here tonight, no matter how where you find yourself in life, how desperate you are, taking your life is not an answer. It, it, it doesn't help. We, we, we are deceived when we think, well, everyone would be better off and it would be easier. My life, I wouldn't have the pain that I'm in now. But God is your source and your strength. Lean into Him. Amen. With compassion and love, these are hard issues, but they are still biblical issues. I mean, you know, Jesus doesn't back away from hard issues. The Word doesn't back away from hard issues. It's very straightforward. But then Jesus can bring mercy and love and grace into the situation because only God is that judge. Only Christ can judge the hearts. And we are to walk with people through any aspect that we walk with them in. But we must declare the Word of God. Can murder be forgiven? Absolutely. Can, can any of these be forgiven? Absolutely. The Word says it can. Paul was... One partaking in murder. And God forgave him. David partook in murder. And God forgave him. Amen. So no matter where you find yourself, if you will turn to the Lord, He is a God that stands ready to forgive if we call upon Him. I, I just... The, these are... These, these, in these ten, we find some hard issues that we wrestle with. But if we will stick with God's plan and God's way and let God sort out all of the peripheral things that we don't see and we can't understand, we will live full lives. Amen. Stand your feet with me tonight. The ten. They're summed up by the two. Jesus said, love God. With all that's in you. And love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you know if we will learn to love God fully. And we'll love our neighbors. As we love ourselves. We'll treat them the best that we can. All of these things can be lived in through Christ. Amen. We'll finish next week with the final four commandments.
If you run across something, you say, but this is hard. My pastor, my home life, my parents, my father, my mother treated me bad, mistreated me. How in the world can I ever honor them? You, you take that to the Lord. And you turn to Him. And in their deficiency, you turn to Him. And you say, Lord, but I want to be pleasing to you. If you're battling with these because maybe in your own life or maybe in some other life you've seen these concepts of maybe the abortion issue or the suicide issue and it hits home and it's raw and it's, you take that to Him. Say, Lord, I just want to live pleasing to You and I want to walk with You and I need Your grace and Your mercy to walk with others through this. If we'll do that, we can speak truth in love. And we can live obedient unto Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time together. We just ask, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified. Lord, we thank you that we can rest in your finished work. We thank you that as we rest in you and what you've accomplished for our lives, that you can help filter our words that matter. The speech that comes out of our mouth, our communication patterns would be pleasing to you as we communicate with one another as well as with the Father. Lord, we thank you that we can choose to honor Rather than dishonor. And that in times that we find it so hard. We can turn to you. And we can ask for your guidance. And you stand ready to lead us. And Father we thank you that. We can value life. From beginning. To ending. And all in between. People unlike us. People just like us. People that are desperate. People that are arrogant. We value life because you value life. And you have given life to all. And we value that in each person. Lord, we ask that you would help us. And that we would hear your word. And anything we wrestle with, that we would wrestle with it within your word. We would go to your word as our source and as our answer. And we would find your direction for our life. And we ask this in the mighty and precious name above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you for being here tonight. Next week, we finish this up on the 10. You do not want to miss it. We're going to be pushing through and finding some more great things. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week in the Lord.